This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Brennan, I want to get a bit into Brennan T's basketball um, and how do you um, develop the skills of junior athletes and um, when it, not only for a six or seven-year-old um, basketballer who's just starting playing basketball, but also for a 15, 14-year-old basketballer who's got all the puzzle pieces there but actually just has to put the puzzle together? Um, that's a good question. That's something that initially I had a lot of issues with. Um, so right now I've got on brendantees.com, I've got something that's called premium access. Um, and that's for all ages, but the difficulty I was having was making those drills for six or seven year olds. And then also making it hard enough for 18 year olds and vice versa. Having stuff for 18 year olds that six and seven year olds could do as well. So I'm looking to now shift away from that and I'll probably have two different training programs. Um, one of them will definitely be, I know, a nine-week training program for more of the older groups. Um, and then there'll be a, another thing for the younger groups. So that's kind of just how I've decided to split it up. Um, and then obviously in juniors, it's easy on like social media and stuff these days to watch Steph Curry shoot threes from half court. So yeah. all the younger guys just want to get out there and practice shooting threes from half court. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, what they don't understand is that guys like Steph Curry have put in all the hard work and done all the fundamentals as a junior. And now that they're older, they're good enough to do that stuff because they have good fundamentals. So um, it's just trying to be able to uh, educate kids and try to encourage them to practice all the boring stuff or the non-glamorous stuff so that down the track they can be the next Steph Curry's hopefully or the next LeBron James's. So I've seen on your Instagram page and socials um, that you've been doing some in-person um, basketball sessions. Can you tell me about what these sessions are involved or Yeah, well, I actually just finished doing a holiday camp right now. So <laughs> holidays are usually a pretty busy time for me because I like to get out there and help the kids at the holiday camps and stuff like that. But each week, um, right now, each week I have a small group of kids who probably got uh, four regulars, but we probably have up to six or seven kids um, coming each week to my Tuesday morning basketball sessions at Hibiscus in Brisbane. Um, and it's just a great little community. I've got a great bunch of kids who are all um, willing to learn. They all encourage each other. Uh, it's just a great place to be. And so we just get out there and work on a few skills here and there uh, from 7 to 8 a.m. every Tuesday morning at this stage. Um but yeah, I couldn't couldn't be prouder of the kids. They're all improving immensely. It's a great environment. And um, yeah, they just keep showing up and working hard each week. So it's it's good good place to be right now. Now a lot of programs like the Melbourne United Academy and yourself too do uh, a lot of basketball drills and training sessions before school. Um, what does this do um, for the kids and does that have any impact on their game? Doing trainings before school? Yeah, before you actually go and work and think, go yep. do school work, does that have an, I mean, does impact, is that more of an impact doing it in the morning rather than doing it in the afternoon? Does it impact their focus on the drills or things like that? That's a good question. Uh, that's a very good question. And I think it just goes back to everybody learns differently and everybody focuses at different times of the day. So I know for me, I'm more of a night person. 
um, and somebody else, like my wife, might be a morning person. She does her best work in the morning. So it's hard to say that all of them are better in the morning or all of them are better in the afternoon just because everyone's a different morning person, afternoon person or whatever. But personally, it's a lot better for me to get my workouts done in the morning. It's hard to get out of bed, right? It's hard to show up every week at 7 a.m. But it's about um, practicing and getting used to that routine um, to actually get out of bed, go get something done, and then you feel better about yourself for the rest of the day. You can concentrate on school. And then when you're finished, guess what? You get to go home and relax. You don't have to worry about going to training afterwards. So I think that's why I like doing the morning sessions more than the afternoon ones. So what kind of improvement have you seen in some of your players? Oh, we have, we just had one. One of my players just won under 16 classics wow. um, in the division. Um, so they were super happy with that. I had another club team that I was actually coaching. They got me down to do um, a few sessions with their club team. <clears throat> and they, they were like a true underdog story. They had to win their last game of the season to make the um, semifinals. Yeah. And they won their last game of the season. They got wow. to the semifinals. They're playing against the undefeated team in the semifinals. They beat them in the semifinals. Wow. Um, and then unfortunately lost in the final, but um, they did well and above what they thought that they could. And that's just so rewarding for me as a person and as a coach to go see these guys improving and, and getting results. It's easy to say, oh, I'm improving, blah, blah, blah. But when you're actually going out there and getting some results, it's just really good um, feedback for those kids and for me that I'm actually doing something right. So as a coach, how do you try and balance out a player's game both defensively and offensively? Um, well, everybody just wants to do the offensive stuff, obviously. Um, for me right now, I'm more of a, I suppose, a skills trainer more so than a um, team coach. If I was a team coach, I would be focusing on defense, like team defense and coming together because I believe that um, – all of the best teams around the world are good because they're good defensively more so than being good offensively. So if I was a team coach, I'd be working on my defensive stuff as an individual's coach and a skills coach. I won't do so much defensive work. Um, obviously it incorporates in when we do one-on-one or two-on-two and stuff like that. But generally what I'm doing as a skills coach is just the offensive side. Um, as an NBL player, I was more focused defensively purely because why would I take all the shots on my team if I have Jerome Randall and Nathan Sobey and Mitch Creek on my team who are much better at putting the ball in the hoop than me? So I'll focus on my area, which is defense, facilitating, um, being in the right spots on offense and stuff like that. So right now, for all my players that I coach, it's more offensive stuff than defensive stuff right now just because of those reasons. So as an NBL player, how do you – um, notice or identify um, that you've got to be a def defensive player or actually, um, you know, back off a bit on the offensive end and balance it out? Well, that's a good question. So I, I suppose it started for me early on. So when I was 18 or 19 years old on the Gold Coast Blaze, I had um, guys like Ayanda Ubaka, who was a, a really good import, I had Adam Gibson. I had James Harvey, who was in a, uh, played for Australia. Um, Chris Golding. Um, all these guys that I can just rattle off, who are obviously better, especially back then, were better at putting the ball in the hoop than me. 
So the only way that I was going to help the team, if I subbed in, I'm not going to shoot threes better than Chris Golding. Yeah, yeah. Right? Especially at that age. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can play defense better than Chris Golding. So if the coach is looking down the bench like, hmm, who am I going to sub in for to shoot threes? He's going to point at, at Chris, right? But if he goes, oh, who am I going to sub in to play, like lock up their best player on the other team? Oh, it'll be teasy. So I just had to kind of make that my point of difference, especially early on. And I guess that just stuck with me throughout the rest of my career. Now, I want to have a quick chat about your community work and things like that. You work with the Adelaide Women's and Children's Hospital. Can you tell me a bit about this? Um, yeah, so I did some stuff the last two years um, with the Women's and Children's Hospital Foundation, um, and it was specifically around indi- uh, the MBL Indigenous round. Uh, so my family, um, like, married into an Aboriginal family, so my wife and kids are aboriginal and um obviously the rest of their families as well so um i actually it all came about because i'd see all the footy players that get their shoes painted with the indigenous artwork and i was like oh that looks really cool i want to get that done and it was only because i was talking to my physio and i said hey you seen all the footy boys getting their shoes painted like i wonder if someone could do that for basketball he goes well actually i treat somebody who's a marathon runner who paints the footy boy, he put, he paints, um, he was doing the Port Adelaide shoes at the time. Mm. He's like, I can give you his number. I was wow. like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so I got on the phone to him. He's like, hey, man, I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. He was actually a burns victim when he was younger. So he had burns to, I don't know what it is, 60% of his body or something. So wow. he spent a lot of time in the Adelaide Women's and Children's Hospital. So we kind of banded together and we're like, all right, well, let's paint the shoes because it's cool but secondly let's try to raise some money um for the women's and children's hospital foundation um for their kids who are stuck in hospital and recovering and um so on and so forth so yeah we banded together in two years in a row i think we raised i think we raised well over five thousand dollars over the two years for the women's and children's hospital and it was just nice to be able to go and um you know present the check to to those guys and go in and a lot of it went to art supplies mm-hmm. um, because the artist thought that was mm. um, pretty special. His name's Shane, Shane Cook. Um, he thought that'd be pretty special to go in and do some drawing with the kids who are recovering in hospital and, and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, that was something really special for me to do and, and really makes you feel good about yourself and obviously being there, help the community as well. What does it mean to you to know these people um, who are in need of help and um, in hospital are cared for? Look, I've had a handful of promos at the hospital where we've had to go in as an Adelaide 36 and just meet meet all the kids and, and people stuck in hospital. So I've been through there a few times. Um, and I guess it just makes you appreciate your health, first and foremost, your health, your family's health, being able to go in and see all these people who are suffering and doing the hard yards and how it's affecting their families um but especially doing those promos it's nice to go in and you know sign a few things or give them a basketball or a t-shirt or something like that just to put a smile on their face because you go in and you can just tell the the room the rooms that they're in they're they're pretty grim and they're doing the hard yards but as soon as you walk in and they know who you are you see the spark in their face and then the, the real you know glint in their eyes so it's really nice to go in there and and make a difference just doing little things like that can you tell me about any other work you've done in the community, especially for, uh, I guess, Aboriginal and Tor- Torres Strait Islander people? Um, 
Well, unfortunately, because of COVID, I wanted to. So when I drove home from Adelaide to Brisbane, I really wanted to go through, like drive home and go through all the different Aboriginal communities along the way and run yeah. a few basketball yeah. clinics. Um, unfortunately, I didn't pan out mostly because of COVID. Um, but that's something that's on my cards or on my list of things to do. Definitely. The other thing um, that I'm really proud of is being an ambassador for Diabetes SA. Yeah. So yeah. Um, me especially, I didn't know much about diabetes or anything like that. So I had to learn and educate myself and um, being able to go to a few, they have like diabetes camps where they go away for a few days um, and do all these fun activities um, and, you know, camp out under the stars and campfires. And so yeah. I, I went out there and did a few basketball drills and stuff like that with them as well um for a couple of years which is very rewarding for me and and really cool to hang out with those kids so um what's your what's i guess oh sorry hang on here's the question oh yeah sorry um what does being a leader at the adelaide 36ers um and the nbl especially being a captain of a club um what experience and knowledge does that give you heading into other life opportunities like Brendan T's basketball and helping out at um the Adelaide women's and children's hospital um, I guess it's just about believing in yourself because like we spoke about before, when I was just a 18 or 19 year old at the Gold Coast Blaze, <clears throat> um, I had so many great role models back then who kind of paved the way for me to learn and become the best basketball player I could be and the best person I could be, right? Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, back then I was too scared to like get a haircut unless somebody else got a haircut because I didn't yeah, want to yeah. rock up to training the next day and yeah. all the banter would be going around. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, <laughs> did you did you join the army or did you get in a fight with the lawnmower or something like that? So I wouldn't get a haircut unless someone else got a haircut. But then as you go through the years, you start to become more confident. You start to speak up. Um, you learn that your voice matters and people actually care what you want to say, especially when you're saying the right things. Some people just talk for the sake of it and just to say kind of what the coach wants you wants wants to hear but then there's also some people that I learn along the way who say the right things even if the coach gets butthurt or a player gets butthurt it's the right thing that need, that needs to be said so I guess learning that along the way and then actually being named captain and having my peers vote for me is something pretty special because they obviously see that in you and and think that you're the right person for the job and um yeah I'm pretty fortunate the first year I was captain we made the NBL grand final um <clears throat> and it's not easy because there's so many different personalities and there's people who have made millions of dollars in their career and people who have made definitely not a million dollars in their career and you got to try to get them all to do the same job and play their role wherever they fit in <clears throat> um and it's not easy along the way there's a lot of stuff that goes in behind the scenes but um yeah it's, to have it pay off and to be rewarded with the NBL finals appearance that first year was something pretty special for me. What's the heartbreak like of losing an NBL championship? Uh, it's pretty devastating because it doesn't come along that often. Some people yeah. don't even get to play in grand finals, let alone win an NBL championship. Unfortunately, I didn't win one, um, but I got to go to two grand finals and that experience in itself is just amazing. Um, but then to lose, yeah, it definitely sucks and it sits with you for a a long time afterwards, especially when they make bloody 
documentaries about the other team winning yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you have to sit through and watch yeah. it. Yeah. That hurts as well. So what's it like under a coach like Joey Wright to experience that heartbreak? Um, Joey, I've got to give a lot of credit to Joey for my basketball career. He was obviously the one who believed in me from an early age at the Gold Coast and got me to be a development player there with him. Um, I did three years of having to drive between Brisbane and the Gold Coast every day for training and stuff like that. Um, but his guidance and mentorship along the way and the life lessons he kind of teaches his players along the way, like it's not all about basketball, but it's about life as well. Um, and he just have, has a great knack of being the joy right that you guys see in games where he's yelling on the sidelines and he's throwing his clipboard and stuff like that. But as soon as the game finishes or as soon as training finishes, he'll take you out for lunch and he'll be your best friend and he'll invite you over for dinner and stuff like that. So he just has a great way of um, being intense when he needs to be and then being chilled out when he doesn't need to be. So to get to a couple of NBL grand finals with him um, was a true testament to, I guess, his coaching. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to win one together. Um, now, Brendan, I'd like to finish off with what's your best advice uh, to anyone who wants to be a, a professional basketball player and uh, be successful like yourself? Best advice? It's pretty cliche. It's a pretty easy one, um, but it's to have fun. Um, let me break that down a little bit. So for me, going to a basketball court and working on my skills, shooting around, I wouldn't want to leave the basketball court and come home because it was fun for me. Yeah, it was like, damn hard work but it was really fun to do like when I could first do this move it was really fun or when I could first do that move it was really fun so for me basketball has always been fun I see a lot of people who don't want to get up early out of bed and go to the basketball stadium they're like man I don't want to go to training I'm going to call in sick I'm just going to stay in bed today um, because it's not fun for them so I think with anything you do in life but this is for basketball, obviously. Make sure it's fun. And if it's not fun or if something about it isn't fun, it might be winning, it might be learning a new skill, it might be being better than that guy, which you shouldn't compare yourself to others either. You yeah. should only compare yourself to where you were yesterday. Yeah. Um, but if the progress isn't fun, if the process isn't fun, stuff like that, then go find something else that does make you happy and, and is fun for you. But that would be my advice. Thanks, Brendan, so much for coming on the podcast today and putting aside half an hour or so of your time to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brendan. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.